0: to that week because it was always intense.
2: The man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My, my my favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys still, but Dante was my guy. Get the dashing, because you still on the This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way. To wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe 50. That's B L E A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of chief concerns, your post game show. Wow, so uh, 30 to 29 I, I thought we were gonna win by at least a touchdown um, coming back from 17. I, I didn't realize it, it was the the biggest comeback in a regular season in the Mahomes era. Um, so that was pretty that was pretty crazy. Um, Lance how, how you doing buddy?
1: <laughs> a lot better.
2: Let me just put it like that. I, I
1: told you before we did the show tonight my heart has not stopped beating out of my chest ever since one particular horrific officiating decision took place. Well, let's just say it's a really good thing. The Chiefs got out with a victory tonight, and I'm sure we're going to break all this down. But I, let me just put it like that. I'm doing a lot better than I probably would have been if uh, if factors would have went the other way for the Chiefs tonight. Let me just, let me just say that, Marcus. I'll
2: tell you what. I thought it was going that way. So at that third and three call we had at the end, where we threw that light. It, and it also looked like McColl and Mahomes were kind of off, like not on the same page there. Like uh, McColl was running like a post, and uh, Mahomes threw that upfield. That was kind of a weird call. Third and three, I, thought, I know we we're trying to end the game there. You don't have, that doesn't happen. Then you got the fourth to one call in the other room of the Raiders, uh, when they didn't run the ball with, uh, Jacobs, who was getting four to five yards, a, a, a handoff, uh, then you throw that, that bomb up to, uh, Devontae Adams and he runs into, uh, Renfro. I was that what did you think of the, uh, the play calling at the end of on both sides? I thought it was just, just too cute on both sides. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it really felt like, it felt like both offenses were overthinking the, the, the situation. Um, I, I, especially like, as we talked about before the show, again, uh, Josh Jacobs was getting everything they wanted on the ground. It felt like the old days of Clinton Portis just running all over the Chiefs back in the mid-2000s where you just could not stop him. And Josh Jacobs was unbelievable tonight. I don't know what Josh McDaniels was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to make a statement and justify... You know, trading for Devontae Adams. He wants to be the guy in the primetime games to make the big plays. And he was he was making plays throughout the game, but we all know that the Raiders' attack tonight was at its most efficient when they were getting stuff on the ground. And for whatever reason, the Chiefs were getting bullied in the run game. But the first month of the season, they weren't. They were giving up around 65, 66 yards per game, and they got destroyed tonight on that. When it came to the Chiefs on third and three, that that pissed me off so much, man, because you saw that to that to the to the point of josh jacobs getting whatever he wanted on the ground the chiefs were were getting a lot in the flats especially towards the end of the game with sky Moore. those quick little arrow passes that that patrick was throwing to him i would have liked to have seen something like that or if you want to make it a little less predictable do something like an rpo play but i don't i don't understand the shot put put, the shot put pass where you're trying to take a deep shot if if it's travis kelsey or someone who's a little bit more reliable uh, on a normal basis i'm okay with taking that shot in that sense but when it's your wide receiver three slash four and McCole Hardman, who's already dealing with a leg injury, I don't think that's the right decision to make. Now, maybe that wasn't the initial call that Reed and Bienvenue threw up there. That may have been Patrick Mahomes just deciding to take that shot himself. Regardless, that was just not the right call at all, man. I think the Chiefs really gave the Raiders second life in that opportunity where they didn't have to. They could have just ran the ball, got a, maybe another couple yards, and going for it on fourth and short, and then try to just kill that clock down where the Raiders didn't have the ball at all. I, I, there was just a lot of other ways I would have gone about it.
2: Yeah, and we're just hearing from Vegas Chiefs fan. Uh, Chiefs should have stayed aggressive on that last drive. I got real nervous when they just wanted to run out the clock. I mean, we're talking on the other end of things. We, we were kind of getting everything we wanted with those little, little bubble screens to uh, Sky Moore, which. Uh, why are we seeing Sky Moore? I thought Sky Moore was coming in as Harden was hurt. Harden was still healthy. That's why we got like, that third and three bomb to him. Why are we waiting till the fourth quarter to use Sky Moore on such a pivotal drive? And all of a sudden, of course, one to three, I don't see Sky Moore. Quarter four, he comes in. He looks great on the, on the, on those, uh, those bubble screens he, he was getting. Why are we waiting till the fourth quarter? I'm Not that I'm questioning our offense or anything, because we looked fine today, but like, let's get this guy the ball. I, think we've, yeah. I know you and I have talked about this before getting, getting more involved, but, Wait till the fourth quarter on such a pivotal drive to use him. Utilize him from the get go. I mean, I think. I mean, I think he's ready. I mean, if we're if we're trusting him enough to do the to to get those balls and that like uh and that possession, let's do still start out earlier because our offense. I mean, obviously we weren't clicking to start that game. I mean, not at all.
1: Yeah, and it all all starts with the offensive line. Let me just attack what you said first and foremost. I agree with you completely. I think Sky Moore was obviously drafted as early as he was on this team because they knew that they were going to need him throughout this season. Not in a couple of years. They knew that this was going to have to be a guy that, as the season progressed, he was going to have to start playing some pivotal moments. And that's exactly what he did tonight. I think if if I could speak for Andy Reid, which I don't mean to do, but if I was going to speak for the coaching staff as a whole and their offensive attack, I think they were liking what they were getting out of MBS – I think they liked what they were getting out of. Tra- obviously, Travis Kelsey just absolutely snapped tonight in the red zone. But I think they were looking at it like, okay, if we're getting this from MVS, if we're getting Noah Gray open in the flats, if we're getting these third down, if we're starting to catch catch a rhythm on third down, maybe we just keep his legs fresh at the end. But I agree with you. If it was my option, if it was my decision, I would have played Sky more throughout the entire game at a lot at a at a, at a much higher rate, uh, rate because you you clearly see when this guy's in space, he is clearly the fastest or at least the quickest off the line on this team. He's the quickest on-the-line receiver on this team that they have. I I think McColl or MVS is the fastest overall receiver on the team, but getting off the line, getting those little quick slants, things of that nature, I think Sky's going to be that guy for the foreseeable future, and I'd love to see him play a little bit more. And I think that just given the short amount of time he had tonight, he made impact for the second consecutive week because as we saw in Tampa Bay last week, he caught multiple third downs and got about 16 yards per catch. He did he did just as much tonight, and I'm really proud to see what he's become already. But I think you and I would both agree, and I was gonna hope to segue to this when it comes to the offense tonight. The the biggest blunder they had again, man, for the second, third time this season is how horrific their 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 pass protection is from the tackle position. I mean, Orlando Brown Jr. was awful again tonight, man. And I've been I have been the biggest defender of Orlando Brown Jr. I've been the biggest defender of Andrew Wiley because he's a great fill-in guy. And we knew that Trey Pancake, Papa Smith was out tonight. So we knew that Allegretti was going to do his best. And I thought Allegretti played fine tonight. But the, the beginning of the game, the Chiefs offense could not get in rhythm because Patrick Mahomes was not getting an opportunity to read the field without getting pressured by Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones came into this game with zero sacks, man. And he was in the backfield for the majority of the night. So the offensive line got better as the game went on. But man, they struggled out the gate for sure.
2: I, I agree. With you. I, I will say, second half, it, it did. It, off of the offensive line it did look. It was night and day compared to what it was in the first half. But JD, we got our uh, our resident tight end joining us. JD, how you doing, buddy? What's
1: up? What's going on? How y'all doing? Y'all doing all right?
2: Uh, roller coaster of a night, I'll say. The
1: <laughs> blood pre- the blood pressure has subsided, JD. The blood hey, pressure has
0: subsided. Listen, I don't know if Marcus told you or not, but I I had my uh, my dump for kids foundation thing today. So, I didn't get to catch like any of the first half and I, I, none of the third. So, I, I seen like a little bit of the fourth quarter. Marcus got to keep me updated on some things because I, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, Chiefs gonna have this handily, right? And I'm just like, ah, oh, man, I know I'm gonna look at this, it's gonna be a blowout. And I got the text that they were up, what, 20 to 10 or something like that? Yeah, I was just like, I'm driving on the road, like, what? Wait a minute, hold on, I know this text can't be right. It just, there's no way this is not happening in Arrowhead Stadium. So, what did I miss? What did I miss, so well, I
1: Marcus, Marcus. Do you have a flag that maybe you could throw at the at the screen? That that would be a good indicator of what JD missed. You just throw <laughs> a flag. Just throw it like eight times. Oh my gosh! If JD, if you sit still and don't touch anybody, that's still there. You go. That's still considered roughing the passer. That's what you missed. That's what you missed. Gee, yeah,
0: unbelievable.
2: I, well, you saw the video I sent you because I say the, the worst pass. Um, what do you call it? Uh, rough of the Passer of all time. I say in the video. What, what was your reaction when you when you watched that clip? I, I almost wrecked again. That
0: was atrocious. I'm like, okay, what, what, wait a minute, hold on. Like, what was, what was you know, what were they looking at? What, what what did they say? So, did they say that maybe he, he you know, put his weight on him when he, he drove into the ground? Is that what they said? Or how did they say, like, I don't know.
1: They, they no. didn't, J.D., they didn't justify it at all. And if you watch the replay, Chris Jones gets the ball before he actually even makes the sack. So how in the world can a guy commit roughing the passer when he took the ball from him? It's the possessions in the Chiefs' hands. Right. The play yeah. the play should be it's over right then and there. And he, they fall together because the momentum's there. The inertia is already going that direction, so they're going to fall. But Chris Jones is focusing on having the ball, and that, in that moment, there's under no circumstances should, should there have been a flag. And if they do throw that flag, there needs to be a discussion where it said, "Hey, look, Chris got the ball. 95 had the ball. You got to pick up that flag and say there's no penalty for roughing the passer. But even if there is, even if the flag stays, you have to show us pinpoint a specific." piece of that video clip that says this is unnecessary. This is roughing the passer. because under no circumstances was there anything even close to that man it is the and it's crazy to me that the two worst, the two worst roughing the pastor penalties I've ever seen in my life we against Chris Jones, the one in the 2018 AFC Championship against Tom Brady when he flicked his nipple, and then this one when he just simply makes a, def- a great defensive play, strips the ball from Derek Carr, and somehow gives them second life in a 15-yard penalty. It, it makes no sense, man. I, I don't You know this game far more than I will ever, because you've played in this game at the highest level, man, and I can't explain it. So if you can't, I think we have a real problem on our hands, man, at the highest level.
0: Yeah, I, uh, look, I agree with you. I, I think you know it has to be something like you said—a clear indication right, on the rules, what you're saying, like, look, this right here classifies as roughing the pastor. It can't be anything else in between of that, right? I mean, it just really can't. And and, and if it is, then I think that maybe what you have to do, especially with something like this, you might have to go and review it. We may have to get to that place and say, well, let's review and see if this is actually a penalty. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially something like that when you're talking about it's going to be significant and maybe giving a first down or whatever, may keep a drive going. Then it's like, listen, let's review this penalty. We have this point of it. I think in the future, that's what you need to do. But I I man, when I see that, I just couldn't believe that they actually called that rough in the pastor. I, I just I, I just couldn't. So well, if it was an indication of how the game was going and you know, during that time, then that that was just bad officiating all the way through.
2: I mean, I thought that was good. That was good. That would have been a game changing turnover at that point in the time in the game before halftime. Luckily, we still came away with three points. But uh, I will say today's conversation uh, across all sports shows was that Tom Brady sack that happened yesterday, which they, you know, called the rough of the passer as well. But Colin Carroll actually brought up a good point. He said, you know, the NFL is trying to, you know, stop these, you know, these bad interested quarterbacks, right? Yeah. However, there has to be some kind of in between. And the college game, for example, with targeting penalties, for every targeting call, you know, you guys know that they they stop they stop the game. And they do a review on it. So what they're saying, what he was saying, was let's try to adapt what the college game is doing with this rough in the with, with these rough in the pass penalties and do a review on it. Yeah. And see if it is a rough in the pass I know it's Everyone's gonna get mad. Oh, the game's gonna take forever. I mean, but like realistically, how many rough in the passes really happen uh, during a game? One or two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. JD, I know you have, I know you have, like I said,
1: much better view on this. But just from my point of view, doesn't that sound like compensation for your in- incompetent rough Because you're having to review something that, to me, is very cut and dry. For how long now have we known what roughing the passer is? We've known. Like I know that there's been confusion in the league about what a catch is or what a catch isn't because there's still this nuance and not really understanding what it is in the league. But to me, I feel like there's a pretty clear and evident idea of what roughing the passer is. When the ball is out of his hands, he's vulnerable in a situation, and you take a cheap shot at him, that's roughing the passer. Not when he has the ball in the pocket and you strip it from him and you happen to land on him, that's not roughing the passer. So I, I, I agree, I would like to see reviews, but it's only because of the fact that the NFL doesn't have officiating that we can trust. That's the whole reason. It isn't because it's such a difficult thing to decipher. It isn't because we're common fans. Well, J.D., you're not. You're a former veteran player, but we're fans here. We all can identify what is and what isn't roughing the passer. Why can't these guys who are paid to do this do the exact same thing that we can, which is I properly identify it. It doesn't make sense to me, but at this point, we have to look for alternatives. We have to look for solutions, and if reviewing them is the solution, we have to do
2: it. Yeah, because uh, the, the pendulum's swinging too far to the other side. You know, you know, we're, we're going with the, the concussion stuff. Now we're kind of taking over in like every kind of hit to the quarterback. Well, not every hit because Mahomes gets they gets thrown around like a rag doll, and they don't do they don't say anything about it. So, uh. um, JD, are, I think JD's uh, feet is frozen. JD, you there, buddy? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear here. you, but your feet okay. is frozen. My
0: feet is frozen. Yeah, no, no, me try. Put this thing up. But I, but I, I like it. every point you just made though. Uh, Lance I, I really do you know and I agree with you but I mean it has to be some type of option we can see these things happening right why is it that these are have, these guys are having such a hard time making these decisions right so if you confer with New York all the time when something you know comes up why not confer with them on you know these particular things as well right I, I just think you know that's necessary right now especially I'm sure New York is sitting there saying like eh, maybe not okay if I'm disagreeing with you on that okay, am I giving the, the rest that's on the field complete autonomy when I know that they may be necessarily wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I think, it's, look, you're making a call anyway. And so if that call comes in at that moment, especially in a game like this, there's no reason why you shouldn't look over this. I, I, I don't think that you should at least say, look, let's just go ahead and go with the call that we made, even though we may hear that it's wrong, right? I think we, we need to revisit this. I really do. So.
2: Yeah, um, but I mean, and also uh, Raiders fans online, and even some Chiefs fans were saying the the hold that after Matthew Wright misses the kick, you got the you got the uh, JD. We lost JD's feed there. Uh, he'll be coming back on probably it's technical difficulties. You know, twenty twenty two, we got a lot of technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the hold uh, on the Raiders, which you don't really see a hold on 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 kicks. So obviously, you know, I know NFL doesn't they don't do makeup calls. They don't say they do makeup calls, but Nah, was that a make-up call? I, I think so. I mean, and a lot of people say we got bailed out because of that, but you could say that they got bailed out for not for us not getting the ball there at the, uh, at, the at the fifty, or, where whatever it was at the time that uh, that rough in the past or strip sack. Um, but what did yeah. you what did you make of that uh, that field goal? That the holding on the field goal.
1: Yes, I, I agree. I, I mean, if you go, if you watch the replay, he did hold. But here's the problem: we see that play a hundred times a week, and that doesn't get called. This is the whole yeah. entire problem. Oh, JD's back. Awesome. This is this is the entire problem with what I'm talking about when it comes to the inconsistency of officiating. It's not one crew, even though I think that uh, Carl Sheffers is, is the worst officiating uh, crew chief in the league. We've seen this throughout the years. Travis Kelsey six years ago called him out about that horrific penalty they called an Eric Fisher to James Harrison uh, on the two-point conversion Alex Smith converted that would have won the Chiefs a playoff game that we've seen this throughout time, man, that this guy just is incompetent with his officiating staff on that play. I wouldn't have called that holding even though it did bail the Chiefs out in a sense I wouldn't have called that holding poll. I would not have called it but here's the other thing we have to remember that in the first half that J did say he did not he didn't get to see the first half they spotted the Raiders essentially 10 points in that first half it should have been 10 10 going into halftime because of the fact that if we watch that DPI they called on Jalen Watson which was horrific we had Devontae Adams pull him into his body Jalen watson did nothing on that to call, to call to call dpi on him and that put the raiders on the one yard line and then you see the horrific the most horrific penalty i've ever seen on chris jones that gave the raiders field goal advantage to get those three points and put them up 20 to 10 to go into the second uh, going into the second half they were spotted 10 points so as much as we can sit here and talk about that bad holding call when you're spotted 10 points i think you can live with one bad call that's just my opinion
2: J.D., at the beginning of the game, Lance alluded to, I don't, I don't, know, if you, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the play where um, they got the ball at the one-yard line. It was, a, it was a bomb, underthrown bomb that uh, Carr throws to Adams. Adams goes up for the ball, uh, and Watson was right there. Yeah. Uh, it was Watson, right? Um, yeah. Watson's right there. Adams goes up for the ball, but he doesn't bring Watson into him. Like, he ends up like, grabbing him and bringing him w- with him. Uh-huh. Uh, they call it DPI on that. As receivers, you're supposed to. I mean, you're trained to go up and get the ball. You know, kind of like you know. Kind yeah, of exactly. contact.
0: So, so you want you want to try to force going through the guy to get that that yeah. ball, yeah. right? Because it's, I mean, if he didn't turn around, he's face guarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Is that what it was? Is that what it looked like? Or is exactly that- what
1: it was. Okay. Yeah. If you want, if you watch the replay, and I know you will, JD, you mm-hmm. see Devontae. It looks like he's going up for the ball, but I think he realizes he's not going to get it because it was severely underthrown, yeah. and he. Bear hugs Jalen Watson and it makes it look like Jalen Watson's initiating the contact, but that is in no yeah. way. Yeah, it's a no way, shape, in no way, shape, or form what happened. In no way, shape, or form. Jalen Watson played that as good as he could have. It was not his fault that Derek Carr threw an arm punt and, and yeah. Devontae Adams couldn't make up for it. That's not his fault. And they should not have thrown that penalty. It was an horrific penalty, man.
0: They removed, man. That's a, hey, look, a veteran, uh, he knows what to do. You know oh, yeah. how to play that game, right? It, it's like, you know, and, I'm, and what I'm doing is I'm actually playing that. I'm getting human error from the from the referees, right? Like I got to try this just to make sure. I, you know, it, they may call it, it, may not, but you know, he's he's taking a chance to do it. I mean, I look, I understand that. Let uh, me so let me ask this, and, and the guy was asking earlier. So who, whoever was coming on here was talking about the secondary. So wh- what was the secondary play uh, in your estimation uh, for tonight against uh, Devontae Adams?
1: Yeah, so I didn't think that I didn't think the the secondary played very well at all. And obviously, when you're playing against Devonte Adams, who is the best single best receiver in the league, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get toasted a lot of times. I think, as as they said in the comments tonight. But here's my problem: is I don't believe that Spags had a good night tonight. I think Spags. Set his guys up for failure time. I'm just going to say that. I'm a big fan of Spags, but I am critical of them when I need to be. And tonight, I think it's fair to do so because of the fact you have a seventh-round pick in Jalen Watson, and you have, a, I believe, a fifth or sixth-round pick that's now in his fifth year in Rashad Fenton, who's struggled all season long. You're putting these guys on -on one-on-ones against Devontae Adams? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, do you really think that's going to work out for you for your team and benefit your team? They were getting toasted. I understand they could probably do a better job. But when you're one-on-one against a guy who's in his prime, who's going to go down as a first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver in this league, I have a hard time believing that's going to work out for you far more than it's not. Now, we did see adjustments in the third quarter when uh, Spags put Snead on him one-on-one, and you saw Snead put the clamps on him for, a, for an entire drive. I will say that Spags did that, but as, this, as the game went back on, you saw Spags kind of go back to that, and I didn't like that at all. But, yeah, overall, I, I don't think the secondary had a very good game, but here's the thing, man. It's a long, grueling season, and when you've had one bad game all season, because we talked about it on the Spoken Podcast this week, to this point, the Chiefs defense is not having had a bad drive. This is the first game they've had a bad drive. So I'm going to yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt and saying this was just one of those games where you go up against one of the best that you've seen. It's going to happen, but I didn't like what Spags did to start the game. Mm,
2: okay. Adams only had three catches on seven targets, though. I mean, for one of the best receivers in the game, he didn't get a he didn't get a catch till the fourth quarter up until the and I, one of our commenters said that he didn't get a catch until the fourth quarter after that second quarter one where he caught and fumbled it, yep. and then he had, and he had that that bomb at, at the end, which that which the, yeah uh, that's.
1: That's what I'm saying. Snead in the third quarter. Spags put Snead on him. And mm-hmm. that third quarter, Devontae was basically a zero at that point.
2: So I mean, adjustments, I mean, adjustments were made. I mean, Renfro wasn't catching anything either. When had nine targets and four, four catches in the game. I mean, really, Josh Jacobs was the was the kind of the reason why Raiders were in this game. And JD, I know you saw the fourth quarter, uh, but pretty much the entire game, Josh Jacobs was getting four right. yards, fall four forward for four yards all day long.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, he looked down every run of the football, man. There was a lot of holes in it. You're just seeing. Uh, but he he looked like he's been coming on lately anyway. I mean, what he had like a hundred or something the the week before?
2: Against what? Denver, yeah, he he ate Denver. up Denver too. That's contract here, man. He wants that money.
0: Yeah, no, sure. I, I get it. Uh but kind of going back to the you know, like you were saying, uh uh Lance, uh, if you sit over talking about like going against, you know, Devontae Adams, right? And it's just my my Joe's better than your Joe. And I guess Spags might be like, listen, you know what? Let me test these young guys early. Okay. Let me let me challenge you. So if I have confidence in you, I want to see what you can do, right? And it, and, and like you said, sometimes it's just, it might just be a bad scheme. If I'm trusting a guy, you know, to to really, you know, drop his cojones and go out there and play your best receiver in the game. What that does it 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 molds him to be a much better corner later. Dang, I, I froze up again. Y'all still hear me, right?
2: He yeah, yeah. Still hear you.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that look anyway. <laughs> But I think that's what it is. I I think it's just the challenge that he's giving the young guys, right? And just seeing, you know, how well they're going to be able to do against a guy like this, the elite receiver in the NFL, okay? Uh, So they'll be better for it, obviously, you know what I'm saying? Because go ahead and take your lumps of stuff right now. Learn how to go against a guy like this right now and become better for it, right? So, um, but I I do understand that point. Man, like you said, if he's toasting you, like like I heard – you know, we were talking to e, he was talking about that earlier, like, man, I, I don't like, you know, going against man on man against, you know, Devontae Adams. Uh And if Fenton was struggling, then, like you said, if Steve comes in, if Steve's like, OK, a much more rangier guy, right? He's got a little bit more in his bag, you know, of, of, of understanding he's a bedroom player. He understands what he's going against. Uh You know, then then I like that, like you said, that philosophy of it. But, you know, if if Devontae, how do you play against a guy like that, right? So if you had to, you know, if this was your druthers, okay, your defense, what would you have done against Devontae Adams uh, that first half? To the
1: yeah, yeah that's, that's 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 a great question because of the fact that I don't think – I think it's a pick-your-poison situation. Now, what the Chiefs definitely were able to capitalize on, or at least I would hope they would have been to capitalize on, is the fact that Darren Waller went down early with a hamstring injury, which took away basically the middle of the field. What I would have loved to have seen – is just just a bracket on Devontae Adams. I know Spags isn't the type of uh, defensive coordinator that likes to do those types of things, but I think when it comes to a certain particular matchups, when you know you're going against an elite wide receiver and Derek Carr is going to feed him the ball, especially when Josh Jacobs is getting these five to eight yards at a clip on the ground, you have to be able to take away the deep ball. And I think Justin Reed being able to stay on that other side, putting Legereus Snead over there in the slot I think that would have helped a little bit more. But again, I just think that keeping one-on-one, again, with a seventh-round pick, as good as Jalen Watson has been this season, he's been really good. He's been a battler. I just felt like it puts him in an unfair advantage when you're going against a guy that, like you said, is going to give you his lumps. And oh, my God, was he getting his lumps. But I think that, I think that Spags understood the assignment going into the second half. And I'm I'm glad to see him do what he did with Legereus Sneed playing that one-on-one coverage. Because Legereus Sneed to this point is the best corner on this team. I think Trent McDuffie could very well become that. We saw very early in that game in that week one game. And when he gets back, hopefully next week, we'll see more of that. But Legereus Sneed held, held the fort down when he needed to, when he was given that assignment. But I, I just, again, I don't like the one-on-one. And like, Eric, obviously Eric felt the same way, Eric Warfield felt the same way. And that man played corner, so he obviously knows what he's talking about. And that's just the way I see it, man, is I I felt like in that beginning that wasn't the right approach to take against Devontae Adams. If you're playing a team that has Mike Williams as their number one receiver because Keenan Allen's out, I can live with that because I think you can survive that. But when you're facing the best of the best, you got to set your guys up for better success than that.
2: Yeah, that's good.
0: That's good.
2: Well, what did you guys make of the uh, the running game tonight? Because uh, I think um, we only saw but yeah, another thing. I know we talked about Pacheco. Maybe the uh, last week was his coming out party. Pacheco got one carry tonight, and that that that, that was it. I don't really see much from him. He, he had one drive when he was in, and that was pretty much it. Then we saw McKinnon had that big burst, and that kind of that kind of jolted the offense, got everything going, and then we ended up scoring on that drive. Uh, but what did you make of the run game? I know Ch is getting a lot of crud from his from his uh, from his lack of vision, as some as some are saying. Uh, but his catching on the backfield that's been that's one of the things we loved about him out of college. And he's, I mean, he's doing, I mean, he's doing just that, being our kind of possession guy out of the backfield. What did you kind of make of the running game tonight? All
1: uh, right, well, I'll, I'll start. Uh, I, I, this is the new nickname I'm giving, uh, CEH it's Caveat Clyde because he has these games where he'll do something awesome and he'll have a really good game overall, and then all of a sudden. He makes a, a boneheaded decision where he runs right into the sea gap and the sea gap is clogged. or like you saw the, pe- the play when Patrick hit him right in the stride and he wasn't even looking back and that would have been potentially a touchdown play- pass. another game where he doesn't mess he messes up on a play that is just grass in front of him. Uh, he's caveat Clyde to me, man, and it was very frustrating to see some of those plays, but overall, I thought Clyde had a really good game. He he's, ha- he's having his best season so far of his career because he understands he understands that Pacheco's coming. He knows that Pacheco's coming, and Pacheco, I don't know. I can't explain what happened. He got that one rush. I think he got maybe two yards on the play, and after zero, that.
2: It was zero, in the, in the, in the, in the stats it says he's got zero. I think okay. I got one yard on it. But.
1: Yeah, it was, it was nothing. It was a cloud of dust, and after that, you saw nothing. I, I, I believe that was in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. then, But I'll give McKinnon a lot of credit, man. McKinnon came in there, and it, it, it felt a lot like that Steelers playoff game where he literally could not be stopped. I didn't like some of the overthinking he did in the in those last drives where he kind of did a high step right at the line of scrimmage. I wanted to see him just attack and just try to get as many yards as he possibly could. He overthought a little bit. But McKenna was insanely effective. I think there was a, a third and long where he was hit like five yards into the rush and then ended up mm-hmm. getting like another eight or nine additional yards with multiple bodies on him. As an undersized running back in his 30s, that's, hey, that's credit to McKinnon for what he did, man. So he was very effective tonight. And I love the fact that this is why the Chiefs brought him back. Because in a rough spot... McKinnon's veteran abilities, knowing how to get these types of yardage, these yards down, those, those tough yards, he gets those down, and he's so fast, and what's great is, the Chiefs pick their spots really well with McKinnon, because he's still very quick, and very nimble, and very little, that when the defense needs a blow, and they still have the same guys on there, having been able to make a substitution, he's out there, and he's blowing by these guys, and getting those tough yards. So I really like what McKinnon did, I really like what caveat Clyde did, I just want to see Clyde pay a little bit more attention sometimes, and when he sees the gaps, he attacks them, and when he knows He's on a pass play, and, and Patrick will look his way. He needs to turn turn his head around, man, because, like I said, green grass is in front of him. He just needs to get the damn ball.
0: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of McKinnon. You know, I've always liked his game, to be honest with you. And when you say a guy that is, like you said, a veteran presence, understands the game, understands the pace, understands what to do in pass blocking. Like, he has, he has all of those skill sets that makes for great back. And so uh, he's a guy that you can rely on. That's why you, you bring a guy like that here, right? He's like, look, I can hang your hat on to a guy like this that I can trust, that I know he's going to know what he's doing, okay? And like you said, if I need one yard or two yards, he has the awareness, he has the intelligence, he has the football knowledge to get those things, right? He's not going to put you in a bad you know, position, situation. Oh, dad got it. I'm frozen again. What the heck? I don't know, man. So... Anyway, I love McKinnon. I'm gonna try to figure out what's going on with mine.
2: You're good, man. Yeah, um, yeah. we can still hear you though. Just want to let you know that. All
0: right. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. The, the one thing about McKinnon that, that I, I think uh, Clyde's a good like is a good hybrid of, of a running. You know, being able to be a third down back. And he, and Clyde, you know, he had ninety yards against one of the best uh, defenses last week. So let's not say no vision. I, Clyde's good, um, but the one thing that he does and McKinnon does so well is, is the pass pro, and I think that might be what Pacheco. They, I mean, they, they maybe seeing something at practice that Pacheco's maybe not doing that as far as pass protection and in a game like that. We're down seventeen nothing, with they they know they kind of they need to go to throw mode. So I think what McKinnon only had like eight carries. Yeah, became yeah, eight carries uh, and Clyde had nine carries. So like we, you know, it was, it was mainly four three pass attempts, to, uh, attempts tonight. So they need they need to go to throw mode, and they didn't want to have Pacheco in there. Um, and you know, maybe that speaks to his his uh his uh, lack of pass protection. But McKinnon and Ch are very good pass protectors, and they, let's pick up fantastic with both those guys. So that maybe that's why we're not seeing much of Pacheco when we're down seventeen nothing. And last week, different game script. We were up, so that's why we were able to kind of unleash Pacheco.
1: What do you think yeah, about the same that? Thing week one. You saw Pacheco come alive when the Chiefs had a big lead. It's because they knew, hey, this kid's going to run angry. This defense is totally down on themselves. He's just going humili- to humiliate them. And I think this was just a vibe check tonight from Andy Reid and the coaching staff as they saw that I think McK- this is a McKinnon night. And we knew coming into the season, this was going to be a running back by committee. We knew that Clyde was going to be the guy that gets the majority of the looks, majority of the snaps, but it was going to be a running back by committee because all three of these guys have an ability to bring something to the table at any given time. They all have three different styles, though, and I think this is one of those games where McKinnon made more sense for the offensive attack, like you said, with the pass pro and getting those ability because the offensive line was struggling, man, like I said, and Patrick was getting hit. He was he was getting rattled. I think there's a couple times where Patrick may have gotten some happy feet, so I think, Patrick, you saw a few times that McKinnon was running the chip on the right side, protecting on Wiley's side of the offensive line to extend the drive for Patrick Holmes, give him another look so he can get his second and third reads. And it worked out. I think Andy, that, that's praise to Andy Reid. That's praise, praise to Eric Bieniemy for recognizing that and putting the veteran McKinnon in there and letting him whenever he's effectively getting the ball in his hands and getting those extended drives, uh, extending the drives or just protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side or front side. He was doing it all, man. And I, I got to give McKinnon a lot of credit and give Andy Reid and Bieniemy a lot of credit for recognizing that and putting him in there for the instead of the rookie, Pacheco.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I gotta agree with you. K- KSU, 1989. Um, that, w- that was one of the things that we thought we we're gonna see a lot more going into this season. the, the throwing to the C H out of the backfield, something we saw in loved to college. And we are seeing more of that as Lance alluded to. It is his best season so far, and we are we are utilizing more of the like C H from LSU. Um, you know, you you're not gonna get 90 yards uh, against every defense. It just doesn't happen, you know. So like, you know, I, I think using him and, and the kind of that and that RB committee that we have with between CH and McKinnon and maybe sometimes Pacheco, I think that is where he's gonna be utilized. I mean that, that, is, that is what he's gonna be in the NFL, I think. He's never gonna be a bell cow type.
0: Yeah. Well I, I think and, and, and I don't know I, I, I can't wait to watch this game just off what y'all were you know y'all been saying and talking about. Uh but I wonder if he just used McKinnon a little bit more because it was 20 to 10 at one point, right? No. Yeah, and, and a guy like this I gotta trust. <laughs> I'm putting this guy in they're going to be fine they understand what you got to do so you know the eyes are not so big because of the lights and behind it's just like you know sometimes when you make those decisions as a running back when you come in you try to do too much and so the is one of those things like yeah he's a young guy right he's not quite ready for these things to be in behind and putting him in for the running back right i need an experienced guy a better guy who understands and been in these positions before yeah. so I think Pacheco, like you said, one guy was just saying that. Like he, he's still a work in progress. He's a young guy, man. He, there's a lot for him to still learn. Uh, but the good thing is uh, he's learning behind two guys that are are, that are really good. You know, he's in the, the best offensive football, and so he's going to learn a whole lot, and he's going to get better over time. Uh, but you know, like I said before, I, I like Jared McKinnon just because of what he gives you. You know, and and a guy like that, I could ride all day. No doubt about it. Like you say, C.H., you know, maybe getting the the swing passes. I think he looked pretty good on some of those. Uh, But I I can't wait to see his game, man, to actually see whatever, you know, what y'all was talking about, what y'all see. Uh, So I'm going to have a treat after I get off this thing, man, because I'm going straight to the game, man, to watch this thing.
2: (laughs) Uh, So another thing that uh, Mark Twain uh, mentioned here, um, so the kick that we had before halftime, it was the franchise record for longest kick. Uh, Matthew Wright, our backup kicker has the longest kick in, uh, longest field goal kick in, um, chiefs history. What? 59 he yards.
1: It. He <laughs> sunk that thing. JD, you're going to love it, man. And it was at the perfect time because the crowd, I have never heard Arrowhead that pissed off in my life. I've been yeah. to 190 chiefs games. I'm over exaggerating, but I've been to a ton of chiefs games and I've watched even more on television. I have yeah. never. Arrowhead that pissed off, and when he saw him make that kick, because I felt like everybody was kind of like, "Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he makes it or even gets close." And he saw—I mean, he cleared that thing by three or four yards, and the crowd just erupted. Man, it wow. was awesome to see, dude. That was awesome to see. And who would have thought some some guy that just walked on the team a week and a half ago, whatever it was, comes in here and sinks a damn near sixty-yarder in, in Kansas City and sets the record. It was it was great, man. It really was. You gotta be
0: kidding me! Wow, right, look at this. Man, this thing is just filled with all type of muscles in there. <laughs> I can't wait to get out of this game, man. Seriously, you know? <laughs> who, who,
2: who, yeah. who's record did he surpass? Pass? Was it Buckers? What's that? Who, whose record? Who's uh? whose field goal did he surpass for the I franchise record? Was it Buckers? I would think so.
1: I mean, I know I know Bucker hit multiple around that that distance at SoFi, but I don't know I don't know about Arrowhead. I don't know who set the record there, man. I know Pete Stoyanovich. Hit a few 50-plus yarders, fifty plus yarders in Kansas City. So, it could, be, it could be I don't know, man. Old Petey. Yeah. yeah. It, definitely,
2: it definitely wasn't Morton. Morton Mort was a lot from like 40 to 44, though. He was a lot yeah. from, uh, from yeah. short distance. Mort,
0: Mort was on his 30th year in the league. <laughs> but it was consistent. That sucker was good. I, yeah. Hey, clutch. Yeah, he, right.
1: Didn't he have the single bar? I think he had the yeah. single bar. <laughs>
2: like okay. that it was it was Bucker with fifty eight yards. That was, good call, Good call, yeah um yeah, I mean to, to Lance I, I guess before we go here, what to I've seen a lot of people saying here on our chat and on Twitter and and also after Thursday night, I even said it too. Stefan Gilmore was a guy that we had interest in in the offseason. in the off season. and that was a guy that that we looked at. we were interested in him. We obviously didn't, we didn't get him, um, and he looks great with the Colts. Is that something that we need to look? At? I know we drafted a lot of young guys. We brought in a lot of young guys. We got a first rounder that we haven't seen yet, but I feel like we still need a veteran out there. I know, if, you know, Snead is that, but Snead kind of a Swiss Army knife plays all over the place. We kind of need that, that 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 DB like that that that, that veteran cornerback, and we don't have that. And we know we're gonna have our growing pains. We're gonna take our lumps in games like this against Devontae Adams or Mike Williams. Um, is that something we should have, in retrospect and hindsight, gone after a veteran guy DB? Yeah, see, I, I
1: wanted to see the Chiefs exercise that because I think, go obviously going into this draft this season, we saw Brett Veach's um, tendencies. He doesn't go after cornerbacks early in the draft and then he goes and gets McDuffie in the first round trades up for him no less So it kind of flipped the scale as to how Brett Beach attacks the the cornerback position So I think this this team has been showing us more and more that when McDuffie gets back That's what they believe is going to be the answer to that position but I, Yes, I would very much kick the tires on bringing a Bashad Breland or something like that That's familiar with the system just to add that depth presence to this team But honestly, I'll be real with you. I think where the Chiefs need to attack bringing in veteran presence is on the defensive line because now we saw Turk Wharton go down. He was immediately called out for the game. I don't know what his injury was, but he was hobbling off the field. Hopefully he's not gone for a long period of time. We know that Turk Wharton's a very effective player for this defensive line. Mike Dan is still banged up. I don't know when he's coming back. It feels like forever ago since he got hurt. I think it was the Chargers game at the very end. And I, I would like to see the Chiefs go after uh, Was it Brian Burns, I believe his name is, from the Carolina Panthers. I know that they're going to do a fire sell very soon. I know the Bills are looking at Christian McCaffrey. I know there's other guys on that team that they're going to try to push out there to try to get some draft picks. They have none right now, and they need to rebuild their team. Uh, I, I would like to see the Chiefs go out there and get a guy like that on a one-year deal. I know the Chiefs don't have a lot of cap space. In fact, I think as it currently stands, they have the least mm-hmm. amount of cap space amongst all teams in the league with around $500,000. I would like to see the Chiefs make a move like that because I think once you get that pass present, that pass rush down, or at least more effective, I think that the cornerback position is going to look that much better, regardless of whether you have a ton of veterans or a lot of young guys out there, which the Chiefs mostly do. But these young guys have looked really good this season, so I'm going to give them a lot of credit, yeah. and I think. When McDuffie gets back and puts that glue back on those receivers and sticks to their hips, all of a sudden the quarterback position is going to look a lot better. And you're not going to be facing Devonte Adams each and every week. So we'll we'll take that with uh, you know like uh, my guy JD said here, man. You're gonna you're gonna face better Joes sometimes, man. And that was that was the case tonight. But yeah, kick the tires on a Brashad Breland, somebody like that that understands the defense. Bring them in, get some depth in here. But more importantly, I want to see defensive line get padded up a little bit. Yeah. I
0: mean, speaking of, speaking about guys, we kind of kicking tires on and, and, and saying names. Uh, it, it, when I was watching the Ravens play, and I was looking at JPP. I was like, "Dad, God, that sucker look! <laughs> that sucker was looking good." Yeah, you know. So yeah, nah. Look, I, I get it. I, I I do. I get I get having a you know veteran corner in here and having this presence, especially in the young secondary, uh, is one thing that you would definitely benefit from. Uh, but I also, I, I like the fact that you have young guys who are you're challenging early, right? I mean, let them grow, let them grow right now. And so if you, de- 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 you know, development guys at the same time, that way the communication is there, right? You know, you, you're keeping everything consistent. And so it's almost like uh, 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 Nazee was saying, he was just like, man, look, all these guys are in together communicating. They learn how to grow together and play together. And so when you're doing that, then, it's almost like you, you have an incentive to make sure that other guy doesn't fail, right? And so it's like, look, hey, look, we're all here growing together. And so we all gonna challenge each other to get better. And So whatever we have to do, whatever we need to do in practice, where we need to do in games, what we need to do as a unit to get better, that's what we need to do. And so I, I like the the, the the young, the youth movement on this team uh, in, the, in the secondary, because I think these guys, are, man, they, they're just making us stars, that's what I see. I see the ability It's there, and it's just, uh, you're, you're almost there. When you crack the code, you're all. I mean, seriously, it's going to be nasty. It, it will absolutely be nasty. And so, uh, I, I don't know how many yards Devontae Adams had, but that one he caught over the middle uh, over Cook, and uh, uh, who was that? Was that Watson on the outside too? Was it Jalen? So was it? You got two young guys, right? Yeah. Devontae Adams give you almost like a double move. You know, It gives you like the little hitch and it's and he's gone. And so that's Cook got to be over top of that. Yeah, look, if you, you the guy supposed to be over top, he cannot beat you deep, right? Yeah. He just can't. And so these guys are, they'll learn that. And so they'll know very next, you know, the very next time. Okay, coach, I got it. I, I understand it. I can't fall for that move. And so I just, you know, I, I think, man, with that secondary, uh, as much as they're gonna be tried. Because so you're going to get some, some good receivers coming in these next few weeks, man. It's going to be, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's yeah. just like that. We get, uh, it, that's what you're seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, try it with DeMonte Adams. See what you thought. Mm. Okay? This is a great game to learn and grow from. Okay? And then you could just go ahead and, 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 you know, make a decision about what course you want to go to action as far as how you want to do what the next team is coming in. So, yeah. Uh, no, nah, it's going to be good, but yeah, better presence on the D line. I mean, I'm I'm always for that, always, always.
2: Um, well, so we're seeing here I don't know, at KSU uh, 1989. Uh, you said that uh, TerSean Ward has a torn ACL. Um, I don't know if that's if that, if that if that's legitimate. Um, probably seeing something on Twitter about it, but if that's true, that's a that's a that's a huge loss. And I would I getting on the phone with uh, non-consumes people right now and uh, bringing Sue in. I mean. That's a guy we've talked about, J.D., on, our show, on the show. That's a guy I'd love, we'd love to have.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Absolutely.
2: Good yeah. So. If,
1: if Sue wants to keep playing football, he wants to pursue his career further. I think, yeah, he'd be a great guy. He's nasty. And putting yeah. him next to Chris Jones, you want to talk about the Brothers of Destruction right there. I mean, come on, boy. We're talking about Undertaker and Kane right there, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean – I, I will say that to, uh, for all the people, what's up, Joe? Thanks for joining the, uh, the chat here, buddy. Um, I will say to have the young guys. And this is what we talked about uh, on the, on the show before JD is the having the young guys in there kind of getting that experience by the news is going to happen. That's what happens when you have young guys, you're going to get the growing pains. You're going to have the lumps, but by week 10, week 12, these guys are kind of already, they, they, they've got, they've gotten it. They, they, they've taken the, the, the lobs and the bruises and they're kind of, they're right. They're ready to go, you know, trial by fire. Um, and I mean, yeah. And I'll say three catches for De- Devonte Adams. I know we ended up putting Sneed on him, but three catches on on seven nine targets. I mean, that's, that's pretty. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, he had two touchdowns on those. So three for one twenty four. Context matters there. But you know, with the went first quarter and then didn't get a catch till yeah, the fourth quarter at the end. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's a fact that they're one twenty four yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah that that does kind of suck.
0: But look, man, I, I don't think these guys are shaky. That's a, that's a good thing I like about it. They have confidence back there, right? You can tell when the guy's a little shaky back there, unsure of himself, like, uh, you know, these guys, like, shoot, like, you know, yeah, I missed this one. I'm going to go get the next one, right? That's kind of what I see mentality-wise. It's like they like the challenge. Mm-hmm. They you know, look, And I'm sure Spags is like, look, I don't care if you make a mistake, right? If you're trying to do the right thing and make a mistake, that's one thing. We can live with that. You have the ability. You know, that's the thing about it. you got the skill set. You're good enough. And so when you have guys who are hungry, like I said, who have this understanding about what it is that they're looking for challenge-wise, I agree with you. About week 10, man, hey, they keep their mentality where it is and understand and just learn the game and the spacing and stuff, they're going to be all right, man. They're going to be all right, right? And I think I think a lot of it has to deal with who's rushing the patch up front, right? That, that's the pressure. Get the pressure on them so these other guys can eat. You know, Don't, don't leave these guys on the island all the time if you're not getting any pressure up front, right? And so we know that it's synonymous on being successful on the backside is having somebody up front to make sure that you get and throws, you get some things that's off time and stuff like that. Right. And so uh, I, I think that's, you know, with a young secondary taking the lumps early or, or doing these challenges. Mm-hmm. I like where the guys are mentally. I just think that they have a lot of confidence that they're playing, even though it might not look pretty all the time. Right. I just think that it will come to fruition later on these guys are just going to be good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and real quick on that, uh, I I remember months ago before the the season even started and we saw the way the Chiefs built their defense going into this season, it was the opposite of what I anticipated. I was expecting the Chiefs go all pass rush and just get a really nasty front seven. Now, the front seven's been pretty good, especially when Willie Gay's been in there. Uh, but, I mean, I think Nick Bolton is one of the 10 best linebackers in football already. This guy is just absolutely nasty. Boom Bolton is what I call him. Guy's just booming everybody out there. But the, you you clearly saw that Brett Veach, in my opinion, uh, built this defense to be more like the 2013, 2014, and 2015 Seahawks, where you had this incredible, incredibly young, I might add, yep. secondary. Now, I'm not saying they're going to become Richard Sherman. I'm not saying they're going to become Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and these guys, but I think they have a chance, and it's because of what J.D. just broke down. Is These guys are getting baptized by fire. They're all playing together in unison, and they're all extremely talented. And the biggest point that I, that J.D. just alluded to is the moment's not too big for them. Not one single time have we seen this season where Jalen Watson looked like he was just, oh, I'm a seventh-round pick. I can't do this. Or Brian Cook's like, oh, I'm a mid-round pick. I can't do this. It never, ever looked like that. It hasn't looked like that. And I can't imagine it's ever going to look like that because you see the confidence they've already exuded in their early stages of their career. So I think it's only going to be up from here. I don't want to sound like an overly optimistic person, but I can't help but be that way when Brett Leach has been crushing ass in in the last few drafts that he's had. I mean, 2018 was horrific, but after that, it's gotten better and better and better and better each and every time, and I think these guys are going to pay dividends for this defense. They already are, but as, as it gets colder outside and it's going to be harder for these offenses to throw the ball, I'm telling you guys right now, I think these dudes are going to be making big plays for this defense, and I think JD's hundred percent right, is that sometimes games like this are gonna galvanize some folks, and I think that's what you're gonna see from these guys very, very quickly as the season progresses.
2: And I'll and I'll say this, uh, talking about you know, putting these young guys out there earlier on the season, you look at our first five games, you got Cardinals, they were without Hopkins, but they had Hollywood Brown, who's you know, one of the fastest receivers in the league. Uh you have Chargers, you got Mike Williams, who, you know. Watson had a play up. against him. He got some. He kind of got dominated for much of that game. And what happened? He ends up making the, the game, uh, the, the you know, the game-changing interception, pick six. Colts. Yeah, Michael, Michael Pippen. Um, okay, and then Alec Pierce, who's, who's a solid rookie. Yeah,
0: he start showing up. Yeah.
2: And then uh, Buccaneers, Mike Williams, of course, and then everybody else they had. Julio Jones came back. Alvin came back for that game. Um, and then tonight, yeah, Demonte Adams you didn't have Waller, but you had uh, Renfro. So I mean, like. These guys are going up against good receiving uh, groups so far this yeah. season. So, like you know, and then next week at Buffalo. So, like it's gonna it's gonna continue. I mean, I would say it's probably the toughest stretch for a group of young guys to go against as far as receivers wise. Mm-hmm. Pretty tough stretch of, of receivers to go against. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're going to take their lobs, scores course, and you know, they'll be better, they'll be better for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think the game plan. I'm looking at what Jalen Banks is saying right there. I think Spags will dial some different things up. You know especially against Buffalo, right? I mean the thing is you gotta come at Josh Allen. The thing is you're gonna make sure you know digs don't kill you. Gabriel Davis had a, a monster game the other night, right? Uh McKenzie, he's showing up every once in a while when you see him. Uh but I think if, if you get those guys and you just get the pressure on uh uh on, on him on Allen then you you'll have you, you know that's your game plan you know switch it up some combination coverages you know some pressures, right? I mean, you get pressure. Make sure you come at these guys, so he's not being able to see it. Okay, so I think if you do that, man, I, I think you'd be, uh, I think you'd be all right against uh, against Buffalo. So uh, they got a lot of receiver. I mean, like across the board, that you know, guys that go hit their head on on the goalposts, right? So we, we kind of got embarrassed a little bit with the secondary we had last year in the playoffs. Uh, ain't gonna let that happen again. I, I don't think so. You know, so.
1: Um, so yeah, if, if you think about it too guys real quick this might be the perfect game how it went for for the chiefs before a game like this against buffalo because like jd just said i mean you're talking about these guys because well, let's be real i mean you're a young player in the nfl jd you were once one you know you, yeah. you you came in this league and i'm sure there was a game here and there man where you you had a really 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 good game and you're probably like man you know what hey i'm pretty damn good at this stuff you know and 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 you know if you keep having games like that in succession you go and play a Buffalo team like that that's, you know, four or five deep in receiving options, you might you might get your, your clock cleaned a little bit, man. And so I think that a game like this, a divisional foe coming into your house in prime time where the world's watching and you give up some big plays like that, you survive it, but you learn from it, all of a sudden your attention and your focus is that much worse. Because we know the Chiefs always get up for big games. And we know that even though that it's not a primetime game next week against the Bills, it's a much bigger game in totality for the Chiefs than, the t- than tonight's game against the Raiders in prime time. So their focus is going to be even more imperative. And I think this type of game can get you really focused, because we talked about the Bucks game. I don't think it goes like that unless the Chiefs lose to the, the Colts the way they did. I mean, obviously, I would have still picked the Chiefs, but I don't think the Chiefs come out and play as effective as they did in all three phases unless they had a game as frustrating as they did the week before. Well, I don't know if you guys missed it or not, but tonight's game was very frustrating in a lot of ways. Some the Chiefs can control and some the Chiefs cannot. But nevertheless, it was a frustrating game, and I think those are the kind of games that you see the Chiefs always answer back the next week and they come out as poised and as focused as they ever have. Right. Right, because you
0: know what you're going to hear in the headlines, Devontae Adams torched the secondary. Yeah, that's what they're going to see. So they're going to be like, "Oh, hold on, wait a minute, no, 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 uh, uh-uh. uh, no, we got we, we, we got to change this narrative right now. Let's challenge ourselves to make sure this week coming up, it's not going to happen. So hey, let that be bolted. You know, more material. Let it be. Okay, these young guys are up for it? I think they're up for it. So yeah, let's, let's get it.
2: Uh, so uh one last thing uh, I know we talked about a lot of different things, but the receivers is a big topic right now on the on the chat um what do you uh, so today um MVs had a really good game I think he had what he had like one one or two drops he had that he had that one and again he had we had two drops I think today and then juju had the one where he had the one hand the ball um drop um so people are kind of surprised that we're not really seeing much from juju I think a lot of people expected more from juju um on the season so far but I mean, Look if you look at the, the numbers tonight, it's, it's spread around. You I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We had we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We had nine different guys t- uh, catch a ball tonight. I mean, like that's every game I'm looking at, it's nine to eight, it's nine to eight guys catching a ball tonight. So it's hard for one guy to kind of dominate a game. But MVS had a really good game. He was six for ninety tonight on eight targets. Um Juju, I mean, yeah, he's not given the big numbers, I think a lot of people thought. Um, I think somebody said here. I think I'd rather have Mark Bowyer here right now over Juju. What do you, what do you, think, about, what do you think about JD? You
0: like yeah, that over Juju? You talking about two good receivers, man? Look, and I, I'm gonna say this: we, look, we knew this. We we knew that the group collectively was gonna be a good group. We know we're gonna just be one guy that's gonna just kill you. That, that's that's not what this thing was gonna turn out to. I, I didn't expect that. I expected, yeah, MBS, okay, Juju, Harmon. All these guys are going to hit you over the head. And we still, tight ends, I mean, you still got Travis Kelsey, man. I mean, shoot, come on now. That's going to be your number one receiver. We knew what that was going to be. And so when, when you got a guy, a gunslinger in the back, and you have this type of offense, multiple of guys are going to get the ball. That's just what it is. And I'm, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, look, I, I play fantasy. I didn't take none of these guys in the draft in my fantasy. I, I didn't take them because I knew they were going to have like just, you know, Monster numbers, astronomical numbers. I just knew that. Yeah. It was going to be spread and peppered around like it should be, right? Yeah. And they do a great job of doing that. And so, yeah, I, and somebody said, yeah, the, well, the wider season did score. Well, Travis got four touchdowns. <laughs> we scoring points. Be happy with that. I don't care who scores. I don't give a daggone if you give it to, you know, I don't know who, you know, the kicker. All right, you let him score. Hey, we scoring points. We're getting wins. That's what matters. And so as long as those guys contribute, they might not contribute. We're having five for 120, okay? But you may have three for, I don't know, 40 yards, whatever it may be. Another guy mm-hmm. might have it, two for 26, you know, four for this. I'm fine with that. Moving to football and you win the, uh, uh football games. That's all that matters, okay? The Ws and actually moving forward, okay? So, I look, I'm not looking for Juju to get hundred and 20 catches this year. Hey, if he ends up with 60, you know, fine. And MBS got 45, and you know, Harmon's got, you know, 42. And, you know, all of, that's what I'm looking for. That's fine. Collectively, mm-hmm. this should be a good year. Yeah. With all the guys getting in touch
1: with I'll say this, and it might sound like a cop-out, but I, I I genuinely believe it. It's like it's like this. I think the Chiefs view their wide receiving depth chart, a lot like a lot of teams view their running back depth chart where it's a running back by committee. I think it's a wide receiver by committee. And I think that's why Patrick Mahomes prefaced the season by saying that. I think he meant that 100%. And I do believe we get caught up in two things, in particular in Kansas City. We get caught up in fantasy, like J.D. says. You know, people want to see the fantasy football numbers each and every week because it's what we've become accustomed to. It's what we know. You know, we love seeing the Justin Jefferson stats. We love seeing the the guys that are putting up 1,600, 1,700 yards a season. That's not the reality here in Kansas City. And furthermore... For the last, you know, since 2016 all the way to 2021, Kansas City had a game-breaking Hall of Fame receiver in Tyreek Hill that put up those numbers on a mm. normal basis. That guy's no longer here. So this offense had to adjust on the fly, and I think the guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS are doing the right things at the right times. And furthermore, man, we got to give Patrick a lot of credit here because I believe this is the fourth time in five games that he's gotten a ball, a reception to nine different receivers in a game. believe this is the fourth time in in five games that's insanely effective that's insanely efficient and quite frankly that creates a massive headache for defensive coordinators imagine being a defensive coordinator on a week having a game plan for Patrick Mahomes period but knowing that you have no idea who he's going to beat you with you just know that he's going to beat you eventually you just got to try to figure out a way to let him beat you less and with Travis Kelsey having, I think it was like seven or eight receptions for less than 30 yards, but it still had four touchdowns. That just tells you how wild this offense is, man. It's just yeah. such a a weird collection of, of talents and, and and opportunities they put together. And if you know, people talk about how, you know, everybody wants to be the Patriots dynasty. Well, people also have to remember the first three championships the Patriots won, they had guys like Troy Brown and Dion Branch as their receivers. It wasn't like they had guys out there that were getting 14, 1,500 yards a season. Tom Brady was making situational plays, situational throws, and their defense was making big plays, and they won Super Bowls that way. Patrick Mahomes is clearly better than what Tom Brady was the first seven to eight years that he was in his career, and these receivers are better than Troy Brown and Deion Branch. No offense to him, but that's just the facts. So they're in a much better position than they were even back then, and you saw the Super Bowl results are there. This team is going to be just fine, man. I hope people don't use this game as as some worry because MBS, man, for the second straight week has made some big, big baller plays, and him and Patrick Mahomes have connected. Juju, I still think he's on the come up. I I think he's still dealing with that knee and shoulder injury. Don't want to make excuses for him because he's got to bring that ball down when he went up with one hand. I want to see him make those types of plays, but Juju's a long-term type of guy. You're going to see in week 13, 15, and in the playoffs, he's going to make some big plays for this team because he's too damn talented, and Patrick Holmes likes him too much, and quite frankly, Andy Reid likes him too much because two years ago, he's sending him pictures of the Lombardi trophy. You know they got plans for this guy. It's just a matter of when, not if.
0: Yeah. And I will say this. Deion Branch and Troy Brown were good receivers. Hell yeah. They were good. They were Hell good. Yeah. So, but, yeah, everything you say, I agree with you 100% on that. I, I do. I do. I like that, you know. Uh, why receive by committee? No doubt about it. That, that's a wonderful way of saying it, truly.
2: Um, Last question before before we go, you know, kind of talk about the receivers aspect. And this is something we, for over the last, since we started the Chief concern show, we've always talked about in the offseason when receivers come, like we don't sign and they end up signing elsewhere. We're like, why are they signing with us? What, what, what is that? Are we seeing now? I mean, obviously at the time we had Tyreek for the last, you know, for the majority of the show. But are we seeing now the reason why receivers aren't signing with us? Because, like, let's say they sign a one-year deal, like Juju, for example, he signs a one-year deal. His numbers aren't going to be big-time. Money. I mean, the numbers that, he, that he's going to get this year won't be indicative to the contract he's going to want in the offseason. season You know what I mean? Like, he won't be getting big-time numbers a- after this season. So, I mean, we, we, let's say let's say sixty-five catches, eight hundred yards. You know, and I think that might be on the high side. Well, let's say that's a number. He's not going to get big-time money for uh, from elsewhere. I mean, do you think that's a reason why the players were big time receivers weren't coming to us and signing with us well, and obviously I, using us as leverage? Like, oh, I'm thinking about going with the Chiefs, but they actually weren't going to come to us. They're just throwing our name in there.
0: I mean, I, I think coaches evaluate you on what you do on the field, right? Even if you catch six by balls, if, if you're open, and they know you're still a good receiver. You still get money, right? I mean, you can't use it against you, but like, look, man, you know what type of system I was in, what type of offense, right? So when you know you have – like you said, wide receiver by committee. You got, you know, five other guys that's catching the football because that's what we do offensively in our system. You can't take it away from me because I'm still a good receiver. And I, and I, I do believe that, like you said, that uh, the Juju's still nursing. A little bit of, you know, little nicks and things up, right? It always seemed like every week he's sitting out or something happening. Like, he's not over, you know, that just all these little nagging things. He's just not over it just yet. He's not fully healthy. And sometimes when they're looking for it, like, okay, later on in the week, Let's get him going. Get his reps up a little bit more. Get him ready for the game. You know he'll show up. I, I, there's no doubt about it. I, look, I, I have no problem with Juju because I know he'll show up when you least expect it. He's going to be there for you. I, I don't have any question about Juju and his ability whatsoever. I just don't. Uh, and like you said, uh, with nine receivers and, and you know four four games, that I mean that's phenomenal. I mean even just thinking about something like that. I mean it really is, but. You know, in the future, these guys worrying about contracts and stuff like that. I, hey, you know what? If you're doing that, you're on the wrong team. You are. Yeah. We, we're here to win games. We're here to win championships, right? And when you win championship, everybody wins. Okay? There's there's a lot to go around from that point on. And so, we'll just see it. Coaches evaluated, scouts evaluated what you did with the system, within the system, and within the game, how it looks. Uh, almost, uh, And I'll say this, uh, because I was thinking about a team. Now, I'm not saying we're not this team, but it's like when you have uh Mark Andrews throwing the ball to him. He's the number one receiver in, in the Ravens, right? He's getting the ball more than anybody else. Newbernate's starting to step up. But that's why these guys weren't really playing out there with the Ravens either. Now, not just because, you know, uh, uh, Lamar's not throwing the football that many times a game. But also, too, you didn't have like the elite wide receivers because you knew it was gonna be pass happy to Andrews. That's mm-hmm. why they had two or three different tight ends. They was running with Hearst. Uh I forgot uh, uh, Boyle or whatever his name was, I think was there too. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not saying that they're the Ravens like that, but I'm just saying when you're spreading out, that's what it's gonna look like because we're a tight end heavy game as we should be. He's a no more tight end than league for a reason. You're supposed to be this guy, you know. I'll put my hat. I'm hanging it on here. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm hanging it on eight seven. I'm giving it to him. So, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. To answer your question directly, Marcus, uh, when it comes to receivers, maybe not wanting to come here to Kansas City, I think I think there's a lot of context to it. Um, if you look at the league right now, wide receivers are cashing out, man. I mean, you're you're seeing guys going to teams. It doesn't even matter what the. The, the structure of that team is these guys are out there making bank. And, and, and you know, God bless them for it, man, because these guys are out going out there and getting generational wealth for yeah. their skills and, and what they can bring to a team. And I, I could not be happier for these men to give their families that opportunity that most of these guys probably did not have growing up and their families didn't before them. So it's really good to see. But here's the thing about Kansas City, man, is that you see a team like the Chiefs have success like that. It's naturally an attractive place. The thing about the Chiefs, though, is they've made it very evident that that with, with the Tyreek Hill situation in particular, like, look, we're willing to pay somebody. We're willing to pay it $25, $26 million a year. Like the Chiefs were definitely in the market to pay big bucks, but when he wanted to extend that and add to it after the Devontae Adams trade to the Raiders, the Chiefs had to eventually say, look, we have to hold a standard because we also we're looking at this down the road. We're looking at this for future free agents, where they, if they see us just let Tyreek run all over us and just we just sub- concede to everything at all his demands, they're going to try to do the exact same thing. So that's why the Chiefs had to standardize and say, look, not only are we confident that we can standardize this is going to work, we have a quarterback in the prime of his powers, the peak of his powers, that can find a way to win and put up historic numbers with guys that we're just talking about calling a wide receiver by committee. And it's working. It's working. So although, yes, the Chiefs probably will never be in that market of where they're trying to outbid teams for other wide receivers, that is okay with us because it's working the other way around. But I still believe you're going to see stud receivers here throughout the duration of Patrick Williams' career because the Chiefs do want to give him talent. But you're just not going to see them go out there and overspend or overshoot their shot on a guy even like Odell Beckham Jr., who would be a great addition. But he's going to want to get paid too because he got a, he has the Super Bowl tax on his, on his uh, resume now. And so he's going to want to get paid somewhere, and he's only 29, 30 years old. That's just out of the Chiefs market. It's too rich for their taste, too rich for their blood. I think the Chiefs know what they're doing. They have a vision. They have a goal in mind because they've waited their entire franchise's history for a special quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, building around him, giving him the assets. It starts with the offensive line, quite frankly. You build him a great offensive line, give him time to pick apart a part of defense. It almost doesn't matter. I know it sounds arrogant. But it almost doesn't matter who he has out there because, as we're seeing, again, four of the last five weeks to start the season, he's hit nine different receivers, and it's working. The Chiefs are the best team in my eyes in the AFC until proven different. And it's because of the fact – and it's no drop-off from losing Tyreek to having Tyreek. It doesn't matter. It might look different, but it's still just as effective, man. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Style points can go out the window as, all, as far as I care. Yeah.
0: So so quick, quick question to you both. Does Odell Beckham uh, Jr. does he work here? Yes or no?
1: What do you think? I'll I'll, real quick, Marcus. I'll say this: the skill set does fit, but here's the problem: is that Andy Reid's offense is so particular that it's going to take him seven, eight weeks at least to really become that fluid, effective receiver. But he's so skilled, I'd be willing to give it a shot if the money made sense. Only if only if the money made sense. But if he's asking for fifteen to twenty million dollars. Hey man, best of luck. Go to go to another team. Go to a team that's probably gonna win seven games this year because those are the only teams that're gonna really overshoot their money like that. I,
2: I, I think I think he would, and I guess after seeing the whole Josh Gordon thing, how that whole thing played out, like the, the playbook aspect, and obviously that he never really got got the grasp of that up until you know this past off season. But how not to say that Andy Reid's playbook is so much you know much more complex than Sean McVay's, but. From the the jump in the LA, from his first game, he was getting targets and getting like three catches a game. And I can't see that playbook being any more or any less complex than Andy Reid's playbook. So I mean, like, can you kind of explain that to me, JD? Why you know he was getting he was getting targets and catches right away for in that in that system, and he'd only been there for like a week.
0: Yeah, I I I do believe that. I I do believe it may be similar. I don't know if. Uh the complexities of it, you know, maybe the wording, maybe I I don't know philosophy-wise, the difference between those two, right? We just know that both Andy and McVeigh are offensive geniuses, right? And and they're gonna put guys in a position to make plays. I, I think maybe part of the problem would be uh when you bring a guy like that here, uh, who you who you're who you leaving out? Will you worry when you deal with the ego? Is it will he have an ego when he gets here? Like you said, is the money right is for him to come and say, Hey, you know what? Hey. Yeah, I'll take another, you know, somewhat um, reasonable contract to come in and win another championship. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I just – me personally, I think maybe part of the problem is his health is my question.
1: Yeah. That's
0: that, you know, shoot. ACL, him coming back, I mean, it's – no, I don't know.
2: That's a good that's a that's a good point there. Gordon was catching TDs with the Seahawks and Pats right away, and they came here and couldn't figure it out. I mean, is that is that more is that more to you know the playbook aspect that their their playbook is not as complex than ours? That was that, that was the McDaniel system, and uh, who was the uh, OC up in uh, Seattle at the time? Um, I think that was Schottenheimer at the time. Mm. <laughs>
1: I, I really, I really do believe it was, uh, it was it was young Schottenheimer that was their off- OC when Josh Gordon was up there, and they ran a very basic. That was yeah. what Russell Wilson was pissed off about is that they weren't running anything that was schematically. They were calling it archaic. Basically, they were calling it very archaic, where it was old school run first offense. So yes, I understand that. My my point though is I just think that. Odell's going to want to come, come and do wherever he's at and be the star figure. And that's just not going to happen in Kansas City when you have Travis Kelsey already being that guy. He's the bell cow on the receiving option. I would, again, clarify here. If the yeah. Chiefs sign OBJ, they find a way to fit him in the cap, I'm going to be happy about it mm-hmm. because the dude's insanely talented. Mm-hmm. I, I trust Andy Reid, and I trust Patrick Holmes. They'll find a way to figure it out. But when it comes to style, again, McVay and Andy Reid have a very different style of offense, in my eyes, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. They like – yeah, McVay plays a different style. So I think Odell fit that system really, really well immediately. And you saw that paid dividends. Could it work here in Kansas City? Yes, I'm willing to give it a chance. I just see the way that most guys that come in come into the come into Andy Reed's offense, they don't usually come into it and just start hitting the ground running. It usually takes the time. Even Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, back when they first started getting 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 going in the, in the Andy Reed offense, it took them a couple years to really become who they were. Now they were younger players, obviously. They weren't veterans when Andy Reed took over. The point though I'm trying to make though is that you you've you've heard it throughout the years. Man, Andy Reid runs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes before the game. Was breaking down the non-technical plays. It was like a fifteen-term uh, 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 call that they had, and like, oh yeah, let's keep this not technical. And it was like fifteen words. That Odell Beckham to me is a guy that probably is going to have to take some time to learn that. If they do it, that's awesome. I just, I just don't see it happen. I think he's going to want to cash out. If he was still chasing a ring, I could see him coming to Kansas City. He got his ring, man. He got his, he, he got his glory. Now mm. I think he's trying to get that last big paycheck, and I don't blame him, man.
0: So. Okay, so I'll speak it in terms like this. So part of that would be terminology, right, that he has to learn. But number two would have to be uh, what you're trying to do offensively. And so what I see what the Chiefs are doing, you know, you were saying archaic up there with Seattle, which highlighted what Josh Gordon could do. It's the same thing like Allen Robinson is not doing out there right now with McVay, right? Same thing. Well, how come he's not getting the ball? Well, he's not in that traditional offense that Allen Robinson, like they run with this guy, okay? And so you're trying to take – I always said this. You're trying to take the square peg and put it in a circle. That's what you're trying to do. And it's tough for a guy like that, a long-legged guy. It was, it was hard for Josh Gordon to get down here to learn, man, sit in a hole, find a window, you know, move your feet if you're not open initially. And that, that for a big guy it's, yeah. different. it's different, especially if you're not playing like tight end. Tight end, it's like you roam the middle. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to find a hole in the window as a tight end. Why I him? It's a more shiftier, smaller guy offense. I've always said that. He's mm-hmm. the same way, but I don't think he used uh, the difficulties, what Andy does, as far as, like, with his motion, you know, with uh, 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 the creativity as much. I think Andy, what he does, man, is just, you know, when he you're when he doing that terminology, it's the motion, everything, the window dressing that goes in with it. I don't see uh, – they don't do it out there in L.A. They, they just don't, you know, so – they said he, did, he, he didn't take away from Cup. Well, yeah, he didn't, but who else they had? Man, Jefferson wasn't really doing nothing out there, right? OBJ, it was perfect for him. It, it, he's that type of guy, right? He's the small guy, finding windows, finding holes. That's what OBJ does. So mm-hmm.
1: It worked out perfectly, too, when Robert Woods went down with the ACL. Yes. Uh, that was right as the, uh, OBJ signed, like, the same week. So that fit perfectly for him as well.
2: hmm
0: how come? How, how come? Robert Woods ain't necessarily making it all the way down to Tennessee, right? Why?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, uh, that's a Tannehill problem, I think.
0: <laughs> that too. That too right?
2: um, I did see one here that it was a, it was a connection to you, JD. Um, that the question was the, well, not more of a question, it was more of like a, a similarity. Talking about the Chiefs' receiver crew to your other team, the Eagles. Talk yeah. about the early 2000s Eagles saying our receiver group kind of likens to the Thrash Pinkton Freddie Mitchell days with L.J. Smith at tight end. Yeah, what, what do you think about that comparison? Because I, I think I think it's a pretty good comparison. Because you know, yeah,
0: that's a good comparison. Thrash Pinkston, Mitchell. Because those guys, I mean, those was hard workers. Put hard hats on and came to play. But they were smaller guys. They're smaller built guys. You know, mm-hmm. true. So you know, I know all those guys. But all those guys, that's what you had. You had those type of guys out there, and that's what you gave McNabb. You didn't have like a big receiver trying to do all things, and so it's a little difficult. So it's good, it's great, great comparison, great
2: comparison. Yeah. And they ended up bringing T.O. to town because they 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 needed that number one guy. You know, maybe maybe Odell could be our T.O. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I I I think you would agree with me on that, J.D. I think that the Terrell Owens, the importance of him being there is to bring up the abilities of Donovan McNabb as well, because as, as, Donovan McNabb was a good quarterback. Yes. Pat Holmes is a great quarterback. There's there's levels here. So I think you you don't need so much a Terrell Owens if you already have an elite quarterback. Whereas right. McNabb, you could tell he kind of was at max with guys like Thrash and Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, guys like that. They're good receivers, but you needed that guy that can get you, you know those 1,300, 1,400 yards a season. Once you saw that, they got to the Super Bowl. They broke that. They, they got off the schneid on that one. So I think with a team like that, you have to have a Terrell Owens. Right,
2: yeah, no doubt. Good. Chad Luce also, Greg Luce was on that team yeah. too.
1: Yeah, uh, who was a? Uh, uh,
0: uh, oh, shoot, other tight end,
2: it's LJ Smith. And um, shoot, who was the other tight end? Uh, I see, I see his, I see his face. Well, the fullback was John Richie, wasn't it?
0: Mm, no, no, it wasn't? no.
2: But regardless, they, they, they had a plethora of weapons on the team. Yeah, Westbrook, Corral, Buckhalter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of good guys in that backfield too.
0: So yeah. they're rock, man. So. Mm.
2: Uh, all right, guys. Well, that does it for our post game reaction show. Um, we'll see you guys uh, for the chief concerns, uh, people. We'll see you guys Thursday, uh, where we'll you know go into the preview for the Buffalo Bills, and then you can catch Lance uh, the spoken on a Saturday. Lance, what do you got cooking for this week for the uh, for the show? A lot cooking, man. We're going to
1: have some obvious reactions to this Chiefs-Raiders fiasco on primetime. We're going to give you guys our full thoughts. Uh, we're going to probably, we're, you know, we're going to try to have a guest on. Maybe we'll just have our, our, our original uh, three on the show. We're obviously going to have a lot of stuff around the sports world because we don't just talk Chiefs. We talk a lot of NBA. We talk in the NFL across the, the board. We give full slate picks. And obviously, we're going to be talking about Chiefs-Bills, maybe the biggest game of the season for the Chiefs. This could decide where the AFC Championship will be hosted. Who knows, man? It's very early in the season, but man, we got a lot to unpack. It's going to be a fun show. Don't miss it on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Guys,
2: we'll be live streaming on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. De- definitely tune into Atlanta's show and uh, tune in Chief Concerns on uh, on Thursday. So we'll see you guys uh, next week when we uh, hopefully talk about a, a good ending to the Chiefs Bills game. Um, hopefully, not as much of a, a roller coaster work like tonight or the last time we saw the Bills. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for a, you know, a victory that we know that we won from midway on in the fourth quarter. Like, so we don't have to like be up and down all, all, all night long. So I need, I need to keep my, my hair black, not, not no gray hairs. <laughs> bring them on, baby, bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> Boys is ready. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. All right. Appreciate y'all. Love you guys. See you guys. Hi everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.